Warning, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. sorry you're good reading the stories that didn't make it i'm hillary b bisniak's listeners i am thrilled today to have the author of most recently stars hide your fires jessica mary best welcome to the show hello thanks for having me absolutely uh at, at the time that we're recording this this book is not quite out it comes out Tomorrow, in actual time, uh, you, lucky listeners, will have it in your uh, in your local independent bookstore already at the time that you're hearing this. Uh, but I was lucky enough to get an email out of the blue from your publicist, Jess, uh, who said, Hey, I have somebody who I think would be a great fit for your show, and also I think that you would absolutely love her book. Uh, can I send you that? And also, can I have uh, get this person on your show? And I was like, of course you can. And yes, please do send me free books. Uh, and I have been digging the hell out of this book. Uh, we will we will get into that in a little bit. But uh, first, we're uh, going to have a little bit of a treat today, dear listeners, because... Jess is not just an author, she's also a podcaster, and so today we are going to uh, be doing a little bit of a table read from Third Wheel. Jess, can you tell us a little bit about this before we get into it? Yeah, so whereas the first podcast that I ever made was a sci-fi huge cast, high drama. Um, I mean, there were some laughs, um, but it's pretty intense at times. I really wanted to try to make something that just felt more like real life and more in the vein of like a Midwestern musical road trip story. Mm -hmm. um, kind of featuring this um friendship between these two characters and a third character who is one of the friend's cousins so like kind of familial and friendship relationships um and it was just going to be the three of them kind of getting to know each other better and crossing the country on this kind of chaotic road trip um nice. mission and singing some songs along the way good stuff honestly i'm here for it <laughs> uh is there anything that we need to know before we get into this table read? This is the way that the very first episode opens. Uh, we're not going to be singing, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> Had my pipes I, I warmed up and everything. Yeah. I have a tendency, um, I joke about this sometimes, that I will make actors sing in projects before mm -hmm. I remember to ask them if they're okay singing. And it is an unalloyed miracle to me that every actor I've ever worked with is still like basically on speaking terms with me <laughs> um, because it is such an ask. Um, but uh, yeah, this is just the way that the first episode opens, cold open, uh, no other background really required. Fabulous. Well, uh, let's take it away. All right. Hello? Hel oh, shit. I just realized where you are. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. B, it's fine. Oh, wow. I'll let you go. Obviously, I just... No, no, you're good. Isn't today... You said seven, right? I did. It's over. Oh. The time difference. Yeah. I keep forgetting that Pittsburgh's actually pretty far from Chicago. I do not. How was the service? Pretty standard. I mean, she stayed dead, so... Why'd you call? Oh, no, dude, don't don't worry about it. You've got other shit to... 
Yeah, like surviving an entire evening with these people. Come on, tell me what's up. I am hungry for distraction. Okay, so I'm on this date. But are you? I'm hiding in the bathroom, yes. <sighs> Look, this isn't a Beatrice needs more confidence thing. This is a B is eating dinner with a man who owns a literal bucket full of human teeth thing. Teeth? Like real from a head teeth? Is there another kind? Maybe he loves dentures? Okay, out loud, that's not better. An amateur dentist? No, this is getting worse. He's a collector. You're at his place? No, dude, he showed me a photo, a series of photos. Good. Wait, why? I, too, have many questions. Hang on. Are you saying what I think you're saying? Probably. You know, I've dreamed of this moment. Invest in better dreams. The words, please. <sighs> Delia Hammond, will you do me the honor of calling with a made-up emergency so I can leave this date without getting serial killed? I would be honored. And thanks for calling. It's so much better out loud. You aren't answering your texts. I should probably get going, right? Like, sooner or later, we're gonna hit a weird amount of time for me to be in the bathroom? Right, because we really care about Dr. Teeth's opinion. I don't want to be rude. Or murdered. Fair. Um, just real quick before you go. Yeah? What's it like having a happy, functional family where everyone loves and respects each other? D... Is it fun? It looks like fun. It's pretty great, to be honest. Yeah. God, I shouldn't be here. She's your grandma. She'd want you to be able to say goodbye. She doesn't want anything. That's kind of the point. He booked this ridiculous space, like a bank in an old movie. The ceilings are so high you could fly a kite. And there's waiters in suits going around with champagne and these perfect little pretentious hors d'oeuvres. And I'm standing here in this dress I got from Target for like 15 bucks because it's the only black thing I own that's even a little nice. And it's covered in pills and it's too short. And Aunt Sally will not even make eye contact. And I keep waiting for a security guard to come and check my purse, make sure I'm not just here to steal canapes. And honestly, I might because they're really good. Hey, hey, you have the right to be there. This is your family. That's only comforting in your family. Do you, do you guys, do, do you ever wear matching outfits? What? Like the Von Trapps. The Von Trapps were not a healthy family. The mom dies and the dad bans his kids from ever singing again. That's pathological. He was sad. And so were his kids, I imagine. Well, spoiler alert, but I wouldn't put it past old Von Trapp Sr. to reverse his position. He starts that movie as a full-grown adult man. It shouldn't take the intervention of a nun for you to realize you don't footloose your own kids. You, uh, didn't actually answer my question? Last Christmas, Mom made everybody t-shirts. There's photos on my Instagram somewhere. She'd just taken a screen printing class, and we wanted to support her. Ah, Louise. She's a cool lady. Did you get my card? She did. She's working on thank you notes, but... No, I get it. Shit comes up. Yeah. I'm sorry about your grandma. She was old. Doesn't make her less dead. Wish you could have met her. Me too. Hey, uh, so we've got a job to do. Right. Although on some level, I think it'd be pretty funny if you climbed out the bathroom window and just made a run for it. Window's about ten inches wide. You thought about it. He collects teeth! Look, I swear to God, no judgment, but you have got to learn how to screen these jokers. Believe me, nowhere in this dude's profile was he all, oh, hey, and if you need, like, a loose fistful of molars, hit me up, girl. I still think a gentleman like that, there had to be red flags. I was trying to be, you know, open and non-judgmental and giving a guy benefit of the doubt. There's your first mistake. 
Okay, so hang up. I'll give you 30 seconds to get back to the table. Thanks. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> oh that was delightful. <laughs> Authors, if you're out there listening to this show right now and you want to do more, like, trunked bits of audio drama with me, like, hit me up, seriously. I was so excited when you agreed to do this. Um, I secretly um, was, like, kind of on the periphery of being a drama kid in high school. (laughs) Uh, And I just, like, I took it way too seriously. Um, But that was very fun. Yeah, no, I was, um, I don't know if being a stage and tech kid really counts as being periphery of a drama kid. Like, I was just, like, the goth drama kids, but... I was always, I was always a little jealous of the stage and tech kids. They seemed to be, um, a little, a little more grounded. (laughs) Like, like, they were, the, the ones that I knew, they were, like, silly when they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also existed on planet Earth, which was uh, a quality that I was kind of jealous of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Serena, if you're listening to this, like, we were actually pretty grounded, I think, compared to the compared to the drama kids. I think you're right there, Jess. Like, yeah. But I'm also realizing, like. We, right before the show, we were talking about how I was not at all chill when I was interviewing Chuck Tingle. Uh, that episode just came out last month. Listeners, check the feed. Uh, but that I was able to put on my podcast Sona for the hour that we were on the phone together. Uh, and that, like, having a job where I need to be able to act chill when everybody else is freaking out, I probably got some of those skills from doing stage and tech, too. That makes sense. Nobody freaks out like a drama kid freaks out. Nobody freaks out like a drama (laughs) kid freaks out. And, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I just remembered, I believe... I'm not going to put anybody on blast here, but would you like a short, silly story about a high school production? Always. So we were putting on, I believe, Oliver, uh, and I think it was Oliver, because at the end of the show, a cop shoots Fagin, right? I've sounds... never seen Oliver, but that sounds very Dickensian. Yeah. Uh, so we had, uh, we had, you know, pretty, pretty lax control over our props. Uh, and obviously, like, if you've got a cap gun around a bunch of high schoolers, somebody's going to be screwing around with it. Yeah. Uh, so... cap gun, it's gonna go off. It's gonna go off. So the second, the second night of the production and granted this was a two night production you know we'd we'd put it on friday we'd have a saturday matinee and then start strike on monday afternoon after classes uh the kid who was playing the cop who shoots fagan had you know obviously been screwing around with the cap gun a little bit beforehand uh, and thought that he had gotten it all lined up uh, with a fresh cap ready to fire, uh, but comes onto stage, pulls the trigger, nothing happens. Pulls the trigger, nothing happens. Finally, panics and yells, bang! Oh, no. At which point Fagan, you know, takes a dive off of the platform and, and onto the mattress behind it. Everything's fine, right? Wrong. Because he's then standing there in the wings, screwing around with the cap gun, and suddenly it actually goes off. Oof. Uh, Which is only the second most hilarious thing that ever happened in, uh, that I remember from high school theater, but like, this isn't that podcast. (laughs) 
but yeah, like, seriously, this was a great thing, and I'm super glad to uh, have, have the opportunity to, like, do a fun new thing on the podcast, so thank you for that. Uh, can we talk a little bit about uh, how this ended up not going where you wanted it to go initially? Yeah, absolutely. So, first of all, my conception of it had always been that it was going to be a musical road trip podcast. Mm -hmm. And I somehow, and I wrote a song for it. <laughs> um, a song called, let me see if I can pull up the file. It's a very particular title. <laughs> um, the world's largest frying pan in all of Iowa. Amazing. Excellent. <laughs> Because one of the things that they do in the road trip podcast is they stop at all of the cheesy tourist attractions. That's like right, one of, of the course. people. One of the people on the trip, their condition is that they have to see the the biggest frying pan in Iowa, mm -hmm. which um, is a, a true story. In two thousand four, they were holding the Cowboy Breakfast Festival <laughs> in Iowa, Brandon, Iowa, and they were like, "We're gonna build." the biggest frying pan in the world. And they did like a scrap metal drive. They organized, they organized it all. They built this pan. It's nine feet wide. It's as tall as an elephant. Incredible. But they hadn't done the research beforehand to see what the, all what the previous record was. Oh, and it no. turned out they weren't even the biggest frying pan in the US. <laughs> so now it is enshrined forever as, well, it's the biggest frying pan in Iowa. Like we did the best we could. It's still pretty big. You can get your picture taken in it. Um, but the the metaphor potential of that felt rich. Mm -hmm. um, so I had I had the episode, I had the song. I could not figure out how to get music into the show because the show was so grounded and so uh, conversational and so true to um or at least it was it was so attempting to capture the way that my friends and I really talked to each other mm -hmm. that then stopping for a song felt very weird mm -hmm. and I couldn't get anybody so the the thing about pitching an audio drama mm -hmm. versus pitching a novel is that when you when you pitch a novel and it's already written you're basically like here's this thing it's right. a pile of work it took me years I put my heart and soul into it it's very personal it's very vulnerable you put it out there and you're like hey do you want to show this to the world when you're pitching a podcast, you're like, hey, do you want to make this thing that's going to be very expensive and take <laughs> a lot of work? And it's a really hard sell. And it's especially a hard sell when it's a musical show, because mm -hmm. musicals are infinitely harder than just a straight stage podcast, which are already very hard. Right. So I just couldn't get anybody with the power to make it happen in an efficient manner. I couldn't get anybody with the power to make it happen to give it a shot, mm -hmm. which which is fair. It's a, it's a big ask. Um, yeah. And, and then honestly, what happened is I got a different idea for a different musical Midwest-centered <laughs> podcast where characters are, in fact, kind of on a road trip that I absolutely um, decided that I was just going to figure out a way to make someday. And so this kind of more realistic kind of gentler show mm -hmm. went on the shelf. And there are things that I really like about the project um, as it exists in this pilot episode. Mm -hmm. And there are things that um, I think there are things that it does well. And there are things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do with this cast of characters in this situation. Right. I That... I, I've never done an audio drama, but that makes a lot of sense to me as somebody who has been running a podcast for four and a half years now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so that uh, it is funny how that happens, though, where like one very similar idea or maybe not very similar, but one one idea with a lot of the same sort of uh generic shapes kind of supplants a previous one yeah um i i have i've written 
two or three short stories about this idea of, like, being able to visit somebody on their deathbed, uh, like, go back in time and visit somebody on their deathbed so that they don't die alone and, like, could never make it land. And finally, last year, I wrote uh, a solo journaling game about it instead. Oh, cool. and, that, and that was like, okay, that's... Uh, that's exercised the idea from my brain now and yeah. like just put that out on itch and it was like okay i don't have to go through like publishing for this in the same way yeah um i was also going to say about the the world's largest frying pan in iowa that that's like my first instinct was to say isn't that a sufjan stevens song <laughs> Uh, but then I thought, no, it's probably more of a Fallout, De Fallout Boy or Panic at the Disco circa 2005 song. Oh like, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of all of those pulls are of of that era. Like, you know, the gosh, I can't remember any of the titles of songs from uh, Sufjan Stevens' Illinois album, other than. I think Chicago. Sure, but there is um they are night zombies. Ah, uh, they are chasing us. Ah, uh, it's like like three yeah. sentences long and there's a lot of screaming in it. There is there is that one for sure. Yeah. And of course we've got like uh you know, I write sins not tragedies obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off, I think is I Somebody take away my emo card. I do not remember if that's a Fallout <laughs> Boy or Panic at the Disco song, but I I believe that is Panic at the Disco. I believe it. Yeah. I, uh, one way or another, I mean, you know, of all the gin joints in all the world, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, very much an an era of song titling that gave rise to some amazing fanfic titles later on down the line, of course. Very, very useful in the creative ecosystem Yeah, for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, rich history of taking quotes or titles from one thing and using them in another. For instance, Stars Hide Your Fires. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like how I did that one? That was very smooth. It's almost like the first three times I googled the book, the first uh, result that came up was a Macbeth quote, mm -hmm. immediately followed by uh, some piece of press about your book, uh, which is, uh, I, at the time of recording, have not yet finished it, but it is an absolute romp of uh, sci-fi YA uh adventure we've got romance we've got heists obviously love a heist uh just a just a really fun time can we uh can we talk a little bit about this book right now and i know i'm i'm sequence breaking but the segue just came out so naturally yeah sure um so starts hard you fires obviously uh which just came out on july the 11th from our good, good friends at Quirk Books. Uh, if you had to give a two-sentence elevator pitch on this. I would say a would-be heist turns into a life-or-death murder mystery in space. That's one sentence. I have another sentence. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Two sentences. Perfect. Yeah. Didn't, I, I somehow managed to not mention that it was queer, but like, <laughs> gay books, we got them, we want them, we love them. Um, yeah, just absolutely, uh, absolutely fantastic book, and I've been seeing a whole lot of amazing press. Uh, I saw recently that you had a feature in Tor.com about it, so, you know, uh, Lots of folks are talking about it, and uh, listeners, if any of those things sounds like something you're interested in, uh, also social commentary. Mm -hmm. Did we mention social commentary? Because, like, there's a strong, strong vein of fuck capitalism 
and fuck the ruling class in this book. Uh, if you if you like any of those things, listeners, uh, even if even if the sum total isn't something that you would normally read, I think you're gonna want to read this one. Um, gosh, there was a thing that I was gonna say right after that, and then it left my brain. <laughs> And it's it's okay. It'll come back like six hours from now when you don't. Need oh it yeah, anymore. no, it'll be perfect. And then I'll email you about it, and then I'll say, "Yeah, we don't need to do a pickup about that." <laughs> this this isn't the show that does pickups. Fair. Um, I did remember actually what I was going to say, so it works oh, great out. Work. Yeah. Uh, so as somebody who has worked in both. Uh, an audio drama format and uh, obviously writing published prose. Can you talk a little bit about uh, if there are any differences in terms of your writing process between the two? It's hmm. a good question. I think that I tend to write faster in audio drama space just because you don't have to stop and think about how anything looks. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is it's generally held that you do have to at least know what's happening in your head in terms of like blocking when characters are moving. Mm -hmm. um, but for instance, in um, the strange case of Starship Iris, my uh, sci-fi adventure kind of um, found family spaceship story, uh, there's a race of aliens and the only real information you get about them is that they're purple. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all the information I have about them. I don't know. I don't know what yep. they look like. And people will draw them and I'll be like, oh, great. The the main alien's uh, name is Krej. People will draw fan art of Krej and I'll, every single time. It, it's completely different every single time. And every single time I look at it and I'm like, great. Yeah, that's what Krej looks like. Love it. Yep. Sometimes it's like kind of a crab creature. Fantastic. Into it. Yeah, mm -hmm. great. Um. And then with prose, I actually have to stop and think, okay, this thing is happening. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it, you know, like all of the senses that you don't have access to in audio drama. And there are ways that that's easier. Um, I mm -hmm. was just, um, I was just thinking about how you can do so much with body language in a book. Like you can have a character like touch another character's shoulder and it can mean the equivalent of like a page of dialogue. And you just, right. you know, touching a shoulder doesn't sound like anything in an audio drama. Mm -hmm. I, I annoy my sound designers because I write a lot of hugs in. Hugs don't <laughs> sound like anything. I mean, if you run at someone, it can, like, uh -huh. there can be kind of a smack, but like that doesn't, immediately translate in a listener's ear always to like oh they're probably hugging right now mm -hmm. um, and there are there are ways around that in audio drama where you can find a way to work that into um the dialogue in some way acknowledge verbally that it happened but it's the the ease of just letting a character do a thing is so different in prose mm-hmm I have, I definitely have the, uh, the problem a lot of the times where, uh, I love writing dialogue. I, um, I've, I've toned it down a little bit, but I used to just like in college, especially I was just writing the snappiest dialogue you ever heard. Like, you know, walked out of a, a Hollywood writer's room type stuff, uh, and and like this was even before th this was like before like the height of quippy mcu movie stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh to the to the point one of my professors told me like tone down the snappiness a little bit like nobody talks <laughs> like this uh but like then you ask me okay but where are they? What are they doing? Like, what what do these people look like? I'm just give you this blank look, uh, and like, you know, yeah, really have to. I can imagine that speed translating really well for writing audio dramas, especially because like 
that can be a space like we just heard where uh where snappiness really works in your favor um and also like i i find a certain amount of appeal in the idea of not having to figure out because we don't want to do obviously we don't want to do tom swifties too much uh but like figuring out how to tag emotion in dialogue can really be a drag sometimes and to Mm -hmm. be able to just tag it at the beginning Mm -hmm. and be like okay actor you figure this out great perfect and there's there's so much trust in the degree of collaboration in making an audio drama mm-hmm. where I will sometimes, especially for the purple alien crush in Strange Case of Starship Virus, sometimes I will write a line of dialogue and I'll be like, Crush says this word really weirdly. Crush says this word in a way that is hilarious. And the actor, uh, Brittany, will just knock it out of the park every time. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you have good people, uh, it takes a lot off your plate. Um, but then mm-hmm. your plate is full of other things when you're making an audio drama because it's logistically really, really complicated. Yeah. I was I was just thinking in some ways writing an audio drama and being able to put trust in your characters is a little bit like writing fanfic where you don't have to do the same level of setup of like, who are these people? Yes. How do they react to things? Because it's all right there. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And I came from the fanfic writing space. That was what I was... I mean, I still write fanfic, but that was what I was doing before audio drama. That was like mm-hmm. the... Um, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> uh, that was what... I don't know. I don't know. I can't I can't think of a good metaphor, which is a trump... Like, that was the slippery slope, I guess, that led me down into the pit of audio drama. That's not mm-hmm. good, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, the the closest thing uh, to this table read that we just did uh, is a friend of mine and I did a uh, recorded a podfic that has not been put out yet because uh, the author hasn't responded yet and said. Yeah, actually, do please release a podfic of this episode. But um, a recorded a podfic of a kind of meta fic uh, in a fandom about a podcast. Whoa, we're just we're just going Layers. in circles. Podcast within a podcast. Uh, not not my bim bam related. This isn't this isn't uh, the Munch Squad, <laughs> but. Um, the, the podcast is Friends at the Table. Obviously, longtime listeners will know that I am contractually obligated to mention Friends at the Table at least once an episode. Uh, you can see it right there if you go to friendsatthetable.cash. Uh, but, uh, that, uh, is... The two characters from a recent season doing a send-up of the fake podcast that the two voice actors, uh, the two players do for some of their bonus content and other streams and random things. Uh, And... In the event that we do release this podcast, I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to publicly out my AO3 username. I hear that. Obviously, uh, astute listeners in the audience will probably be able to figure out which this is if they are as friends at the table pilled as I am. Uh, But, you know, that if you... Find it, you know, be cool. Yeah. We, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it is it is very much that thing of, like, you know, we, when me and my friend were doing this, we're like, we knew what the inflection 
both of the characters and of the players was and kind of like what that energy was. And so it was like, you know, uh, there were little tags within it of like, you know, laughing here, barely controlled glee or whatever, but like, you know, it, it is, it was the purest textual representation of audio media uh, available. And yeah. so like this same thing of like doing an audio drama, um, I, I can see the appeal of that and I can see how that translates. Yeah. Um, it is really interesting what you uh, were talking about earlier, though, of this idea of, you know, when, uh, when typically when you're writing fiction, you are pitching, uh, you're querying a whole book. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's not necessarily the case in the nonfiction space, but uh, that audio dramas are much more uh, kind of, in a lot of cases, much more like uh, getting traditional, you know, television or movies done where you're, you're pitching an idea more so than you're pitching a finished object. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's something I hadn't really thought about. As soon as you mentioned it, it was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and like, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say, because there's kind of two roads that you can take when you're making a, an audio drama, which is you can go through the whole pitching process um, or you can kickstart it and make it yourself. I mean, you, you can also um, theoretically, depending on the scale of the thing, like do it all yourself and not have to raise money in the front. Mm -hmm. um, but I have always had ideas that were too big for me to uh, make myself. Uh, and I've always... Um, really believed in paying people i mean capitalism is a prison but we're all mm -hmm. in a prison together and uh you got to respect people's time as 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 well as you can yeah um i can't afford to pay anybody what they're truly worth on any project that i do um just because you know it would cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars yeah for sure for sure um but so it's to the point now where I'll get an idea for an audio drama. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if you experienced this, but like, I will get an idea for something that will be like poem shaped and I'll be like, mm -hmm. great, fantastic, a poem. I can knock that out in two days. <laughs> It'll be done. I won't have to think about it anymore. Or like, you know, you get an idea that's like short story shaped. Great. Like 10,000 words. That's maybe like a week or two of like really hard writing and then you edit it and then it's done. I'll get an idea for a novel occasionally and I'll be like, oh shit. <laughs> do I want to spend six months on this? And it's the same thing with making a podcast where I'll get an idea for a podcast and I'll be like, if I want to do this right, this will be like a year of my life or more. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little scary at this point to get an idea for a podcast. It's a little bit like getting married to this idea. Mm -hmm. um, and... um. Yeah, so the the pitching process is one thing and making it from scratch is another thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes ideas get shelved because they don't survive the pitching process and I'm just like, I don't have the capacity to make this myself. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, I think we were talking on mic beforehand, but... Uh... Sarah Gailey came up, and I I can't remember if I've told this story on the show before, but uh, the my original concept for this podcast, I decided I, I decided I wanted to make a podcast where I got a chance to talk to writers, uh, and which seemed like, you know, I, I can do this because I'm friends with a lot of writers and am a writer myself. And so like, I, I come with a little bit of cred there, but my initial concept had been uh, way back at like the start of 2019. For some reason I had had my own juvenilia on the brain and like thinking about like 
when I was in, like, first and second and third grade, fourth grade, even, like, one of the things that everybody in those classes did pretty regularly was, like, write picture books. Mm -hmm. And, like, you would, you would write the book, you would illustrate two copies of it, uh, they would get bound, one copy would go into the classroom library and then eventually into the school's like general library and the other copy would go home with you uh and i was thinking like oh you know this is like wouldn't it be wouldn't it be wild wouldn't it be funny to have a show where like you got people to come on and they would read their old juvenilia and i was you know, talking about this and, and uh, pitched it to some of my friends and uh, Sarah Gailey, bless their heart, uh, not not in the Southern way, uh, like, truly bless you, Sarah Gailey, was like, bud, that might be kind of a tough pitch because nobody knows who you are right now. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fair. And uh, And they were like, and, like, I don't know that I'd necessarily want to do that, but I would love to read some of my trunk stories. Uh, and I was like, okay, I can work with that. And then, like, being the weird little ghoul that I am, immediately my brain was like, okay, trunk stories, tales from the crypt, tales from the trunk. We got it. Uh, and, uh, like, two months later was releasing the first episode of this show with Sarah Gailey as, as that first guest. Um, but, like, knowing the, the ability to know or have somebody who you trust who can tell you, like, does this scale match what your capabilities are? It's like super vital. Yeah. And like, you know, this is obviously like, this is a, a as indie as you can get show pretty much. Like I am lucky enough to have some Patreon backers who cover the basic bills for the show, but like, that's it. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not really making money off of this show. Uh, nor is that like my goal you know mm -hmm. i just i want to make this show because i enjoy it yeah. um but like and and like you know obviously uh it's different when you're doing an audio drama like you want to be able to like if you have actors you want to be able to pay the actors the actors are important yeah. we we yeah. strand in solidarity with our striking siblings Oh, yeah. Who, as of as of this moment recording, like I don't know what August is gonna look like. Like the Teamsters are probably gonna be on strike at the point this is airing, maybe, or maybe they will have gotten a fair contract at that point. But like, you know, what the point is, like, labor is worth something, and if we yes. have to live in capitalism, we should be able to survive in capitalism. Yes. Absolutely. Which was not the initial point we were making. The initial point we were making was, wow, pitching a, an audio drama sure is a different thing than pitching a novel. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing with making an audio drama, just to, like, tangent, is that... Please do. The the production costs are insane. Like the Like, just the time that it takes to design the sound, if you want it to sound good mm -hmm. basically um i mean like depending on the scope of your project again because right you can have a show where you build into the conceit that it is somebody talking at a microphone and right. that's very different from the kind of stuff that i write where there's like big action set pieces happening mm -hmm. um with like fully designed actiony uh sound design i think it's every minute of audio takes an hour to create I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first season of, of Starship Iris, um, 
the audio person that I had, I was like, keep track of your hours and I'll, I'll try to pay. And she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. That it would, it would make me very tired. And I was like, oh, that's, uh -huh. that's fair. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a two people talking to, into a microphone thing, and I've it is it is not very produced. Uh, it, I make it sound nice, yes. but uh, the the money I have put into it so far is I paid Lillian Boyd for theme music, mm. uh, which she did a an awesome job at, and I've refined my process to the point that it takes about two to three hours to produce. A one-hour episode, which is pretty good. I think yeah. that's pretty good. That's excellent. But I'm thinking about, like, the, uh, I don't know, the difference between uh, the, the first season of Welcome to Night Vale mm -hmm. versus what that production has become now, where, like, you know, easy conceit. Community radio, radio, one person talking into a microphone, yeah, and you've got music in the middle of it, and like the amount of production. I can I can only imagine the amount of production that goes into it now, especially since like, you know, I've seen uh, Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner talking about like people getting mad at them for just using Audacity to make the show. Which like, sure, I'm that. I make my show in Audacity. Uh, most people who I've talked to making this when I started this podcast were like, "Yeah, I just use Audacity. It's fine." Yeah. But yeah. like, it it is, it is wild. It is wild the amount of of work that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't mean to minimize the amount of work that it takes to make a person at a microphone podcast either. Like mm -hmm. it. It's a labor of love, no matter how yeah. you do it. Yeah. Speaking of uh, not not doing sound design and not getting mm -hmm. sued by the BBC, uh, this I don't know if this came through the microphone to you across Zoom, but uh, there was this weird sound that just happened in the room, the podcast room, and this blue police box showed up. Uh, and I'm I'm wondering if we can take a step into this time machine. Here's the, the corny intro I told you I was going to do before we started recording. If we can take an, a step into this time machine and go back and talk to uh, young writer Jess, young audio drama Jess, uh, and offer her and, by extension, our listeners, any words of wisdom. Absolutely. You said it was going to be cheesy. I am, I am so here for it. It was exactly what I wanted from that setup. Um, so I, if I was going to talk to past me, uh, say like high school, maybe mm -hmm. middle school. Um, I mean, genuinely the first thing I would do would, would be, I would say like, I'm sorry that I don't get any taller you're going to be five foot two forever. I know you're holding out on hope that you're going to be like average height and you won't be, but like make peace with it. It's okay. There's good things about it. You mm -hmm. can generally uh, headbutt your luggage into an overhead bin. Um, and when you can't, somebody will help you uh, put it up there. Like it's, it's going to be fine. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I think that, the main thing that I would say is to just not be ashamed of the things that you, that interest you mm -hmm. and the things that you love to write about. Um, when I, so I, I majored in creative writing actually in college. Oh, high five. Me too. Yeah. Hey. Um, but the, the stuff that really interested me was like queer stories and genre fiction. And I was not comfortable like writing any of that, like, Everybody around me was writing literary fiction. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I feel fake trying to do that thing. <laughs> so what I wound up doing was I wrote uh, nonfiction. I wrote creative nonfiction about food mm -hmm. and making food and making food for other people and what we what we use food to mean in our culture. And there's like a fair bit of food in SARS Hide Your Fires, actually, because I, yeah. I gotta be me. Yep. Um, but I felt 
so I felt like such a phony for caring so much about all of these things that I was afraid to put on paper. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would say, you know, everybody says like, write what you know. And I think there is like, it's kind of overused advice in some ways. There are things about it that are helpful. Um, kind of like any writing advice, like it's useful for some people some of the time. It's not useful for everybody all the time. Right. Um, but I think that I would say like really, especially when you're just starting out and you kind of know that you're going to need some time to really get into the groove and find your voice, like write what you love, mm-hmm. you know, and don't feel weird about it. And I, I mean, as much as you can not feel weird about it. I'm, I'm imagining telling younger me to not feel weird about something. And <laughs> younger me is rolling her eyes very hard because that's just happen. not, <laughs> that's just not how that's going to happen. But like, Stars Hide Your Fires has so many tropes that are just things that I loved in genre fiction that made me so excited to see uh, in other people's writing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's this attempted heist, there's this found family element, there's a sing-along at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, it's so much more rewarding to write about things that you can be excited about that just make you happy hmm yeah i i will offer the uh piece of advice as as the person who didn't decide that i felt like a phony but instead picked fights with most of my professors oh fascinating uh, how did that know go? when to pick your battles because mm, yeah. some professors are going to be very receptive and some professors will double down mm, yeah yeah Luckily, most of my professors in my fiction classes uh, were much more receptive. Uh, so, shouts to them. Um, anti-shouts to the one professor who just dug their heels in and made a lot of a lot of comments that uh, offend me on both a personal and professional level, like. Oh, yeah, Tolkien, my kid was into that, but then he grew out of it. Whoa. Uh-huh. Dang. Like, I mean, luckily, I wasn't a person who yet had multiple pieces of Tolkiana tattooed onto my body at that point, but, like, spiritually, I was already there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, listeners know when to pick your battles. Yeah. Um, but, like, absolutely, yeah, go after the things you love, even if, you know, I, I didn't end up taking creative nonfiction classes until my senior year, uh, and I kind of, a little part of me regrets that. Most of me is like, oh, you know, you, you took them when you needed to, you took them when you could, and, like, you got a whole lot I think I probably got more out of them then than I would have earlier in my career just because, like, I'd grown as a writer in the previous three years. But, like, okay. uh, I, I do sometimes wish, like, that I had gotten to take those classes sooner just because of of the way they were. Um, but, yeah. Like, go go after, even, even if you find you have to come at it sideways, go after the things you love. And, and like, because, you know, everybody else, and especially you, can tell when your heart's not in a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, a, a couple of things before we wrap up here. One, obviously... Stars Hard Your Fires, uh, I think, deserves the most attention right now. Uh, but are there any other works that you have out recently or not so recently or upcoming that you'd like our listeners to know about? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, um, let's see if I can get all the adjectives in one <laughs> shot. Queer high school fake dating rom-com podcast. Fantastic. Um, I did it. Uh, Yeah, Uh, that is um, kind of 
my my pitch is that it's um it's a rom-com about how the personal is political mm-hmm. um and that is out wherever you get podcasts it's called keep it steady fantastic there are i think five episodes out eventually there will be 12 i don't know when the next episodes will be coming out um because the trade-off of acknowledging that everybody on your team is a full human being with a full life is that Mm -hmm. sometimes you know things come up people get new jobs or take vacations and stuff doesn't get uh doesn't get done in a timely fashion but it will it will happen eventually because um i care very deeply about it uh and then uh there are two full seasons out of the strange case of starship iris which is the aforementioned uh, queer found family sci-fi space adventure podcast I'm sen- featuring... I'm sensing some themes here. A little bit, a little bit. I like what I like. I mean... Hey, um, we, we just said some things about that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, that, is, that is one area where I very much uh, live what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and obviously listeners links to all of those things will be in the show notes yes oh i have one more i have one more oh perfect um, yes uh there's also unwell which is a midwestern gothic mystery oh um nice. about a woman who moves back to a mysterious small ohio town after her mother has a health scare and moves into her mom's strange boarding house and uh, it's idiosyncratic guests uh get to get to all know each other um and there are four full seasons of that out and the fifth one is in the process of coming out right now uh unwell is a fantastic team everybody is so incredibly talented uh there's three other writers and they are all just the best awesome well uh i am a sucker for things gothic and uh for a good for a good story told however it gets told uh speaking of things that we are suckers for is there anything in the broader media landscape that you have been digging particularly recently and you want our listeners to know about oh my gosh uh (laughs) this is the question where you ask it and i've i've never read watched or listened to a damn thing that's, you know, uh, yeah, it's all up my mind at once. The, the very normie answer, um, although it's extremely good, is The Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, it's like a story about food and about weirdos kind of coming together, um, even though it's also extremely stressful sometimes. <laughs> I would say listen to it. Like, no, I would say watch it, um, but plan to watch something gentle and kind after mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much it needs a chaser of some kind. Yeah. Um let's see. I am listening to a lot of Phoebe Bridgers, which Nice. Um just excellent, excellent music. Um and oh gosh, what else? Um <laughs> there is a nonfiction podcast called Criminal. Mm. Um, I love Criminal. Yes, yes. Uh, hosted by uh, Phoebe Judge, who's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was recently thinking about how there is a plot detail in Stars Hide Your Fires where a character does a kind of minor crime that there is a full episode on in, mm-hmm. in Criminal. And I don't know if I should say it or not because it's like a little bit of a spoiler, but not really like a huge spoiler. But anyway, Criminal is fantastic. It is not like a creepy true crime podcast. It's very mm-hmm. much about like just the human real lives and experiences that kind of happen crime adjacently. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's very much a Radiotopia show. Yes. It's Although very much I don't like... think it's on Radiotopia anymore, but it, it no, definitely has so. that ethos. Yeah. yeah. But, like, listeners, if you are into 99% Invisible, which also not on Radiotopia anymore, or mm-hmm. uh, The Illusionist, or Articles of Interest, like, very much along those same lines of, like, we're, we're going to take a framing thing, but then we're going to just get into the human elements of it. Yes. Uh, and, like, bring 
a, a really refreshing level of sincerity and compassion to the subjects. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. Um, I've probably recommended it before on something, but like, it's one of my, it's one of those things that comes up and like every time it comes up in my feed, I'm like, immediate listen. Mm-hmm. It's going right in the headphones. Yeah. 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 When you, when you said, uh, I'm going to give the most normie answer possible, uh, I was just going to say, oh yeah, I've also just been listening to Taylor's version of Fearless. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, uh, l- listeners, I, I don't know if you know the story behind that. I'm not going to try to tell it, but look up the reason that Taylor Swift has been putting out all her old albums again because like respect Hmm. respect there and also like they're all really good still um but yeah uh normie normie stuff normie Hmm. stuff for sure but good sometimes sometimes you like a thing and a lot of other people like it and that's fine actually yeah the, uh, the indie music snob in my head can just take a hike. It's okay to like things that other people like, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Going going back to uh, to 2005 and the two wolves that live in my head and one of the, uh, the two wolves inside of me and one of them is Fall Out Boy Panic at the Disco, My Chemical Romance, and the other one is Sufjan Stevens, like... That's... It's fine. It's It's actually fine and good to, like things that are that you enjoy yeah also going back to your words of wisdom like the things you like you're allowed to do it hell yeah hell yeah uh finally and this is a loaded question as as uh twitter self-destructs more and more by the day but jess where can our listeners find you elsewhere that's a great question in this particular moment. And by great, I mean hard and I'm stalling. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I have a website. It is www.jessicamarybest.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter there uh, as if it was 2003. <laughs> um, and that might be the most efficient way to figure out what's going on with me because you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Jesserbest there. Uh, mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter if you really like jumping into ships that are already like halfway underwater. <laughs> uh, same handle there. Um, and I would say, I, I, I don't have it in me to give the listening public my Tumblr. That's it's fair. There. If you find it, you find it. Yeah, but like, I'm not gonna drop those breadcrumbs. Listeners, I've dropped the breadcrumbs before. You can find my Tumblr. It's <laughs> under the same username as all my other shit. It's probably me at my most unhinged in terms of internet. But that's what uh, Tumblr's so, for. That's just yeah, using that's, Tumblr correctly. If if you're not going on and making the most unhinged posts possible on Tumblr or reblogging other people's unhinged posts, like, I guess there's some part of that website that does that, but I don't know about it. I don't use yeah. that that website. This is the Unhinged Nerds shit website. Yeah, and weirdly, it's still around. It might outlast everything, which is incredible. Uh, I, who would have predicted it? Honestly, we love to see a success story like this. <laughs> Lose Horizon, billions of dollars. Man, incredible. we... We couldn't even lose Elon Musk his $40 billion. He just took those L's all on his own. Yeah, yeah. Really just some phenomenal failure Olympics happening there. It's incredible. Incredible stuff there. Well, Jess, before we, before we just dive into that whole thing, it's been <laughs> such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on, and uh, you did a great job on the the fruit the table read. Thank you Excellent. for uh, for 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 meeting the energy. I really really appreciate it. Absolutely. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. 
you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. Assuming the website still exists, you can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at HBBisniex. See also Tumblr and Blue Sky and co-host probably, though I'm never on there, and all most of the places. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Don't self-reject.